Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Halloween podcast. I'm your host, Magic Mischief, and this is Astrology 102. <laughs> I call it that because I'm going to assume you at least know a little bit about astrology if you listen to my podcast and are at least familiar with the sun signs. We are in full swing for the winter solstice season at my house. I attended the Christmas party for my mom's extended family, and we do that every year on December 6th, which is the Feast of St. Nicholas. That was last weekend. And I also went to a cookie swap. These are two of like two Christmas traditions that for me really are like, okay, you know, Christmas season, Yuletide season is in full effect. <laughs> this may give me the opportunity to try some weight loss magic for the first time in my life. I got so many cookies at the cookie swap, way more than I brought. I brought 36. I probably brought home almost 60. I need these men to eat up. <laughs> I am also incorporating a few new traditions this year. Both of the, well, the Saturnalia wine was actually pretty good, but the Lama Sewell drink that I tried from the Yule book my girlfriend got me, ooh, that one was kind of a bust. <laughs> it's essentially applesauce mixed with beer, and I guess beer was just not the same quality. You know, beer's so wonderful right now. The texture of adding applesauce and then heating it up, it was a little weird. I ended up straining the applesauce out and chilling it. And then it almost tasted like cider mixed with beer, which was a little bit, it was nicer for me because then it was almost like a black and tan, at least drinkable. <laughs> I have a thing for textures. Seriously. I don't like velvet. Be just, ugh. I don't know, and textures in my mouth too. We are getting so off track. Anywho, I'm incorporating a few new traditions this year. I purchased my new Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving, and we were going to wait for the boys to start decorating it. But on December 1st, I received that witchy box from my coven sister, and she had it included an ornament. So I, so I just hung up that one ornament. Then the next day, I unboxed all of the ornaments, and I thought it might be nice to decorate the tree in stages, like a live advent calendar. So I just hung up two ornaments, and kind of so on and so forth in every day. So today is the 13th, and I hung up 13 ornaments, and now the tree is starting to look so good. I'm running out of ornaments, and it's like perfect timing. But it was so nice not to have to do it all at once. And honestly, the boys were not even interested in helping. So it was nice that it was mostly done. <laughs> I am four bags into my advent calendar, and that is so much fun teaching the kids about other cultures, while also innocuously slipping in some information about magic. I was so shook to learn they are 11 and they had never heard of Hanukkah, which by the way, started on the 10th. So we're three days into Hanukkah. We're not celebrating Hanukkah, but just the fact that they didn't know about it, just I'm not fathomable to me. I guess I grew up in such like a Republican administration where like in school, they taught you those things. <laughs> One thing that is odd is I found myself kind of slipping into unconsciously planning my 2021 resolution, if you will. My goal for this year, 2020, was better tooth care. Teeth are so important and I was determined to treat mine better since I'm an avid coffee and wine drinker. Both are terrible for your teeth in terms of staining. I'm very thankful that my mother was somewhat of a health Nazi when I was younger and so I do not like soda. I like sparkling water. But 
the syrup in soft drinks, it just, it is overpowering for me. It tastes so unnatural. Ugh. I can't do it. One thing I want to say, and I have to say for last episode, is I cannot believe that I, Magic Mischief, missed an opportunity to talk about weed and my herb, my, I almost said herbs, my herbs and crystal episode. Oh my gosh, I definitely, I blame it on my period. I literally do not know what is wrong with me. That would have been right up my alley. I may or may not smoke. <laughs> and I may or may not use weed in my magic sometimes. But I will say that <laughs> at least we were definitely going to have a drink or two before we go to play in the club. So I assume a lot of witches are doing that the same thing. <laughs> Ain't nobody stopping this party train but daddy, I can tell you that. <laughs> However, this is a really long episode, so I will try my best to really keep on track I will try not to spend so much time dicking around like normal, and it is time for our disclaimers. This is my first podcast, episode six, if you heard the tagline, please take it easy on me. This podcast is primarily and mostly for my enjoyment anyways, so I do not have any monetization connected to this podcast. Nobody is sponsoring me. I'm literally doing this for the hell of it. If you want to reach out to me or say hi or be a part of the show, please hit me up on messages. There is a link in the description page of each episode. Or you can reach me via email at halloqueenpodcasts at gmail.com. This kind of goes without saying since I did mention this was my first podcast, but I am not an expert. These topics are just fun for me. There's a lot more that I would like to know about these things. And I'm just using my Google or my brain to kind of give the information for most of this stuff. This is could be argued to be a non-scientific podcast and therefore mostly up to your personal feelings and beliefs about the topics and about myself. I have been told that I have a potty mouth, so please do not be offended by crass or uncouth language, sexually explicit topics. If you need to step out for a bit and get some fresh air, we do understand. Well, I kind of want to mention something else. Let's take a side turn. Let's, let's make a pit stop. We all know that marijuana can help in achieving a trance-like state, and that is something that witches... I mean, we use meditation to do that and a few other ways. And I have heard that a lot of circles, I personally have unfortunately never taken part in a magic circle with other witches. I would love to. Please invite me. I do not know how to meet these live groups. I probably could use the internet, but that feels weird, unnatural. I would rather it happen in a more organic way, I guess. And it's definitely hard to ask around the Bible Belt. But anyways, I mention this because I've heard a lot of circles require you to come sober and then you can have a drink or two afterwards. I know that a lot of people, like given the history of witches relationship to mind-altering substances, do think this is weird. But this is so standard in the kink community. So it wasn't that weird for me. And I imagine that these kind of rules are protection for new or female witches, just like it's for the protection of the submissives in the kink community. I want to apologize for the background noise in my last episode. I have six dogs and have officially been banned from having them in my recording room with me. <laughs> Daddy threatened me with a punishment spanking, which is no bueno. 
I much prefer punishment spankings. Secondly, it was brought to my attention that when comparing Scorpio to Taurus, I had said Scorpio rules the genitals and Taurus was ruled by the throat. I was informed the verbiage made it seem like Scorpio was in a better power position and that was unintentional, so I do apologize. I was just looking for a different turn of phrase. Big apologies to all of my lovely bulls out there. I have a great relationship with most Tauruses in my life, and for the most part, I find that they can tolerate honesty and don't get hurt, so they probably weren't as offended by that as much as the person who complained. <laughs> but I do love feedback. I don't want to sound like I didn't love being called out. I totally did. Any kind of press is good press, as they say. So, Disclaimer number five-ish, this is not a religiously affiliated podcast. I'm speaking from the heart, and I hope we can teach each other things. Everyone is welcome in my play space, regardless of color or creed. I really want to say political affiliation as well, but I cannot promise that I would not flip out on a Trump supporter. I just, specific brand of argumentative logic, it just doesn't jive. It just, I don't know. Let's move into a happier space. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all five of my listeners. I appreciate you giving me a little time out of your week, and I hope you get as much of this, um, as much out of this as I do. Number one, biggest special thank you to Big Papa, who always runs my bath, disciplines me with love, and is my number one fan. With that being said, we are going into our Astro Basics. It almost feels like I'm giving an Excel or an HTML class. <laughs> this is something that I feel like I know fairly well. <laughs> but there is so much to cover within an astrology. And some people can make an entire career out of it. I say this to let you know that this will be very basic. I don't do chart readings for other people or anything. But <laughs> you basically can't sit with me or be my friend if I haven't run your chart. So I do just love to look up charts. It's <laughs> don't want to call it a hobby because that makes it sound <laughs> a little intense. But just like to know what I'm dealing with. And I just want to let you know what you're going to get into before we get ahead of ourselves. What is astrology? How does it fit in with what we've already covered? I'll give you a basic definition. I could have gone with the wiki definition, which basically calls it pseudoscience. But I appreciate the caveat at the end of the definition given by CafeAstrology.com. They are a website that I like to use to run most of my natal or birth charts from. So I want to give them some love. Astrology, and this is their definition. Astrology is, put simply, the study of the correlation between the astronomical positions of the planets and events on Earth. Astrologers believe that the position of the sun, the moon, and planets at the time of a person's birth have a direct influence on that person's character. These positions are thought to affect a person's destiny, although many astrologers feel that free will plays a large role in any individual's life. Whenever I have talked to someone about their chart, about 50% of the time they're going to ask me if they can change it. Of course you can change it. You have free will. This is just kind of a map to give you watch outs, you know. Think of it like ways, like accident ahead, you know, maybe you want to take another route. You have the free will to do what you want to do. It just shows you kind of a, a picture or a description of what you might encounter in your life. 
The philosopher Carl Jung also said it pretty beautifully. He said, we are born at a given moment, in a given place, and like vintage years of wine, have the qualities of the year and of the season in which we are born. Ah, oh, smart and poetic. But what can you use astrology for? Besides personality reports, what else can you use astrology for? Synastry, which is couples compatibility, and I, probably an unpopular opinion, like to use it to help me define my new moon and full moon rituals, and I also kind of follow the wheel of the year with it. I think they all agree. I've definitely had people disagree with me about that, but I think they are all beautifully tied together. Every new moon and full moon is found in a particular sign and will carry that unique energy with it. I find that they run about a six-month cycle between, so it's every six months you're really learning something new. I need that variety in my life, but I am already getting ahead of myself. <laughs> What's new? Let's back up and make it more personal again. The foundation of any person's journey with astrology is their birth chart for themselves, also called a natal chart. This is the map of the stars at the time of your birth. It will look like a series of line and symbols found within the wheel of the zodiac. To calculate your birth chart, you're going to need three basic data points. One, where you were born. Two, when you were born, the date of your birthday. You should definitely already have that. And three, the trickiest, the time of your birth. It should be on your birth chart. Perhaps your mom will know. She maybe told you. If you don't know the exact time, a professional can help you figure it out. But it's better just to know. Because these three things will help you to calculate what are the most basic aspects of your chart. The date will determine your sun sign. This is what most people can tell you about themselves. This is what most people are familiar with. It's the easiest to calculate because you're just like, oh, okay, December 2nd, you're a Sagittarius, you know. The where you were born determines your moon sign and the time fixes your ascendant. Now, if you are unfamiliar with astrology, this is probably where I've lost you. This is about the time when people look at me and go, huh? <laughs> so let's break it down. Like I said, I'm taking it to that you are most familiar with the sun signs. I don't think that, I don't personally think your sun sign is the most important, but it is the most easy to calculate, an easy way to think about your sun sign in relationship to your moon sign is this. The moon is feminine, and the sun is masculine. So your sun sign represents the masculine side of your ego. This is your basic identity. These aspects of your personality are kind of already in place. The core of who you are, the, the traits you've already mastered, so to speak. The moon sign is feminine side, which is a little bit more receptive side of your personality, and it holds your hidden emotions, your feelings, the feminine side of your personality, your moods. It is a bit more hidden like the nature of the moon and represents aspects of yourself that you are growing into and that you are learning to tame. This sign will match up a little bit more with who you think you are because that's how you're going to express yourself at home or when you're completely comfortable with someone. For example, I am a sun in Scorpio, moon in Aquarius. I really identify with being in Aquarius because that's kind of who I am. When I'm alone and at home, I don't feel like I'm as moody or as serious as most Scorpios. 
the air in Aquarius lightens me up, making me more idealistic and creative and tolerant, but also because Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, more unpredictable, aloof, and sometimes a bit tactless. <laughs> the way your moon sign and your sun sign interact depend on the qualities of each of those signs. As we've previously mentioned, east sign is associated with a duality, masculine or feminine. In my example, Scorpio is a feminine sign, even though it is my sun sign, which regulates the more masculine, fist fixed aspects of my personality and my moon sign the feminine emotional side of myself is in the sign the masculine sign of Aquarius each sign also has an element earth air fire or water Scorpio is water and my moon is air Aquarius is an air sign I find that they're a little bit more equally balanced but I think that's because they're both fixed signs resistant to change. And when I say fixed, I mean one of the three qualities, cardinal, mutable, and fixed. Cardinal signs are the initiators of the zodiac. They're going to be your outgoing and enterprising signs. They are beginners. They start things. Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. Next are the mutable signs, which are exactly as they sound a little bit more dreamy, flexible, adaptable, easily adjusting to new circumstances. These are going to be Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And lastly are the fixed signs, two of which you know already, Scorpio and Aquarius. The other two are Taurus and Leo, and these are going to be your finishers, your perfectionists, those people that they like to see results. <laughs> And then lastly, they are associated with a body part and a planet. They also have colors, cities, flowers, metals, etc. But I don't want to go into all that. There's already so much that I have to cover. If you would like more information, I can suggest the book that I learned a lot of it from, which is The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need by Joanna Martine Woolfolk. She has a passage about the body parts that I really do want to read quickly. It says, curiously, the parts of the body that assign rules in some way are the strongest and in some ways are the weakest area for that person born under that sign. I like to think of the zodiac kind of as a person's life cycle with Aries being the baby of the zodiac as the first, full of fresh ideas and learnings, but also little emotional depth. And then Pisces being the end of the cycle and being the old wise soul close to death, not that they're close to death, but just like having that wisdom of a full life that can connect to anyone, but is also kind of misunderstood and generally cranky because they don't fit in with the world. And you could just kind of follow this journey down the body. So Aries rules the head. These people suffer from headaches and sinus problems. They are very physical, just like a baby. They're learning to use their bodies, and they like to use their bodies to solve problems. Because they are ruled by Mars, they are strong and active and generally fairly good athletes, depending on, you know, the combination of other aspects in their charts. Then, to go down, Taurus is next. They rule the thyroid. This actually causes many Taurians to gain weight later in life. But they rule the throat and they generally have beautiful voices. Beautiful voices. Very connected to the throat chakra. 
Gemini then rules the arms, shoulders, and hands because they have a natural grace. They might be exceptional dancers and good at most activities. Their youthful persona helps keeping them looking young into their older years. Cancer rules the breast and the stomach, symbolizing nourishment and motherhood. They too tend to struggle losing excess pounds kind of later in life. Leo rules the back, the spine, and the heart. This is why their number one purpose is love. Leo is such a huge romantic. This fire sign, I can tell you, naturally athletic and coordinated. They are almost good at anything they put their minds to. Leo doesn't get sick often and is a very resilient sign. I found all of that off the internet, and I would say it matches daddy to a T. Because when we play tennis, I mean, he's a big dude, but when we play tennis and he wants to spike it on me and he can just leap like a gazelle over the net, it pisses me off. Oh, I'm like, you were way too fat to move like that. <laughs> that is so mean. I should not have said that. I am so sorry. I am bad. Please, nobody tell me. No one tell him he said that, even though he's totally going to listen to this. and probably spank my butt. Anywho, as they age, they need to commit themselves to being active and slow down on fatty foods. You know what? Yeah, Daddy. I am. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Virgo. The nervous systems and intestines are ruled by Virgo. This is why they are such picky eaters. They can literally worry themselves sick. This is the hypochondriac of the zodiac, 100%. Libra rules the lower back, the kidneys, and the butt. They are ruled by Venus, which means that that back is going to have sass. And they have fairly good skin. Venus is, loves beauty. It rules both Libra and Taurus, I should have said. Balance is the key to Libra's health. They should avoid alcohol and carbonated drinks because both of these are bad for the kidneys and will ruin that perfect complexion. Scorpio, wait for it, <laughs> rules the genitals. Yes! <laughs> This is both good and bad. I know I personally have very sensitive skin down there, and I get razor burn just by thinking about shaving. Before the pandemic, I was waxing. It has been said that Scorpio looks young when they're old and old when they're young, and this is pretty true. My sister is, cancer, is a cancer, and the older I get, the more people think I'm the younger sister. I do want to read to you something that Joanna Woolfolk says about Scorpio's diet because it is, it's so spot on, it's so scary, and it will give you a little bit more of a, an insight into my soul. <laughs> a healthy diet is important for Scorpio in order to keep up their energy and a positive outlook on life. When problems strike, they have a tendency to overindulge in alcohol and forget about food, which in turn makes them more unhappy, listless, and ill. Scorpios have a problem handling liquor. Of all the signs in the zodiac, alcohol is the worst and most immediate effects on Scorpio's looks and skin. It is toxic for their system. It intensifies their already volatile emotions, and most Scorpios don't know how to say no to a second drink. Fucking deep burn, Joanna. Shit. Like, I am totally called out. <laughs> when I was, I just... I had to read that. I got such a kick out of that. I was like, hot damn, roasted. Roasted by a book. Fuck. Anywho, moving into Sagittarius. Sagittarius rules the hips, thighs, and liver. 
It is apropos that they rule the legs because this sign is always on the go. They love freedom, fresh air, and sunshine. They often have chronically achy legs and hips and are susceptible to fractures and sprains in this area as well as bruising. However, they tend to be one of the longest living signs. I read that they should have four small meals a day and get plenty of water. Capricorn. We're on the back end of this list. Good old Cap rules the bones, joints, knees, and teeth. Although they tend to live long, like Leo and Sagittarius, arthritis and orthopedic issues can stymie their activity. They were voted most likely to eat the same thing every day and could benefit from some variety. I had an ex who was a Capricorn. (laughs) This sign does not deal well with drinking. Guess what my motherfucking ascendant is? You got it. Capricorn. Can't deal with drinking, but I do want to look smart. (laughs) Aquarius rules the ankles, and don't I know it. They also rule the shins, calves, and circulation. Let's just say between Aquarius and Capricorn, I have got a killer set of legs. This sign is also ruled by Uranus, like I mentioned, and their relationship to health can be very bipolar. They do not deal well in the cold since circulation is an issue. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Aquarius is a snacker sign and not really good for sitting down for a meal. It said they should skip coffee. I am trying. I used to drink, I used to make an entire pot and then just drink it throughout the day, 10 cups of coffee, and guys, you'll be so proud of me within the last two years, I have gotten it down, I almost never have three cups anymore, but I'm down to pretty solidly two, occasionally one, I'm trying, and Aquarius should also take more naps. Remember when I said to think of the Zodiac as a life cycle? Well, they are nearly, they are closer to the end and most likely to go gray early. So going gray early and needing naps. You see picking up what I'm putting down when I talk about the life cycle? Life cycle? Pisces, the geriatric of the Zodiac, do not have great constitutions. They rule the feet and the toes. They fall easily under the influence of drugs and alcohol. The sign is the most susceptible to addiction. Swimming is a great exercise for them, but they should try to stay away from coffee or other stimulants. (laughs) Bonus, Pisces can eat all the meat they want because they need iron. I do want to go ahead and just say... I love me some Pisces. This is not a call out. I am not trying to call out any of the signs. I'm really trying to be objective and just tell you a little bit about each of them. I do think I mentioned briefly, but each sign has a polarity. For Scorpio, it's Taurus. So I kind of think of the polarities as kind of a love-hate relationship. Like opposites attract, but likes also like attracts like. Opposites attract. I think in science, it's kind of both. You know, if you have a silicone toy and you put it next to another silicone object, they will literally eat into each other, like attracts like. However, magnets, opposites attract. It's crazy. I'm getting so off track. I don't have time for this. Moving on. We could take the polarities through the whole zodiac, but I'll just give a few more examples. Aries is the sign of the self which we'll get into. That will make so much more sense later that I said that. And its opposite sign is Libra, the sign of partnership. 
Virgo is the sign of work and self-improvement. Its opposite is Pisces, the sign of dreams and self-delusions. Just remember, you don't have to hold it. It doesn't need to make sense now. It's like a good story. All will unfold. Before we talk about the Ascendant, I do want to talk about the planets. There are, of course, nine planets. And the Earth is fucking round. (laughs) But for the sake of the astro chart, I do want to consider the Sun and the Moon as planets. Some charts take Chiron, which is an asteroid, into consideration, but we've already got so much going on, we are not going to cover it here. We've already discussed how the sun and the moon determine the masculine and feminine parts of your personality via your sun and moon signs. The sun naturally rules Leo, and Cancer is ruled by the moon. Now, that does not mean that Cancer is submissive to the moon, but just forgive my turn of phrase. It's just easier for me to say it that way, okay? God, get off my back. Now, let's get into the other eight planets. Mercury is the planet of the mind, and it rules your intelligence. It is said to be associated with Gemini and Virgo. I want to give you a star fact before I go through all the qualities because science! Because the way it rotates, there are three Mercury days in every two Mercury years. That is a mindfuck for sure, guys. The Greeks and Egyptians both thought that Mercury was two different stars depending on the season. Since Mercury is so close to the sun, it is usually very close to your sun sign. My sun sign is Scorpio. My Mercury is in Scorpio. This makes honesty and truth very important for my relationships. I hate feeling duped. I'm drawn to the occult. You know, you just take the sign and can apply it to Mercury. Whatever sign your Mercury is in, you can kind of add those qualities to the way that you communicate. Think of the qualities that Hermes is famous for. Mercury is the Roman name for that Greek god. You start to understand what the planet rules. Hermes is quick, he's agile, he had wings on his feet, he was thought to rule communication, commerce, writing, music, math, he was a trickster cunning. This is why Mercury in retrograde fucks with us so much. And when you're really in tune with yourself, you know when you're feeling extra crazy. You can feel Mercury going into retrograde. I'm actually going to read you the questions that Joanna Woolfolk asks at the beginning of each planet because I think they are so thought-provoking. She goes into a description of what it means to have each sign of Mercury, but I just don't have time for that kind of in-depth look. And let's be honest, people do not like listening about other signs they don't have connections to, but I do want to read the questions she has about Mercury, the planet itself. How does the power of Mercury express itself in your personality? Do you easily strike up conversations with strangers or do you only open up with friends? Are you the kind who on a moment's notice will have a bag packed and rush off on a trip? Or do you prefer quiet evenings at home, listening to music, delving among your favorite books? Do you enjoy speaking in front of a group? Or would you rather tell stories in your own living room? Do you take hold of one idea and see it through to fruition? Or do you prefer working on many projects at once? You can start to answer these questions by looking at your horoscope to find the position of Mercury, planet of the mind. The next planet, Venus, 
the morning and evening star, potentially Lucifer, but we'll get more into that later. <laughs> Venus rules our love, both the capacity to receive and give love, as well as our pursuit of pleasure. It is associated with the signs of Taurus and Libra. I have also heard that Venus determines what kind of sex appeal you have, but I want to put a caveat on that. Think of Paris Hilton. <laughs> LOL. Do you remember her sex tape? She was talking on the phone to someone. And later, when she was questioned about like why, she said, I'm sexy, not sexual. And I've always thought that was so profound. So Venus rules sexy, but your Mars actually rules whether or not you are sexual, whether you want to like physically have sex. <laughs> that may be why they say men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> Star misogyny. <laughs> By looking at the position of Venus in your birth chart, you can answer questions like, what kind of lovers do you attract? Are you flirtatious? Do you find happiness in your love affairs or are you often disappointed? Where do your creative talents lie? From early times, Venus in mythology has been a goddess whose dominion is love and emotions. So unsurprisingly, Venus rules love affairs. Aesthetics like art and beauty, personal adornment, decoration. However, she also rules social graces like affection, harmony, friendship. Venus is what makes life beautiful and gives you the greatest gift of all, happiness. People who have Venus prominent in their chart will be very appealing and magnetic to others. They're going to be delightful companions and super easy to get along with. You know we've all heard how temperamental and fickle Venus can be as a goddess. So when a planet is termed afflicted, that's when the negative aspects are stressed in a person's chart. And this could make that very same person who's a delightful companion also narcissistic, lack willpower, place little importance on self-discipline. Venus will generally only be two signs away from your sun sign tops. Mine is in Capricorn which means I look for intelligence in a partner and want to come across very capable myself. But Venus is also in my 12th house of self-undoing. So I often trip myself up in the pursuit of pleasures. Hello, alcohol addiction. <laughs> Moving into Mars. I Mars! <laughs> Sorry, I felt like he wanted some energy put into it. Mars is a planet of physical energy. It is your sex drive. To actually have sex, like I mentioned, and not just be like hot in a picture. It rules your aggression. Named after the Roman god of war, Mars has always been seen as fiery and governs energy, boldness, and the will to win. Turning ideas into action. Aries, the Greek name was associated, obviously, Aries, Aries. <laughs> so I tripped myself up there for a minute because I was like, what am I trying to say? Aries is associated with Aries. Mars is the Roman name for the Greek god Aries, is associated with the sign Aries. But before Pluto was discovered, it was also thought to be a secondary ruler of Scorpio. Wolfolk says, Mars's influence also brings strife and conflict tension and anger, accidents and destruction. It rules heat, fire, earthquakes, violence, and war. The negative side of Mars can bring illness and injury, literally stopping you in your tracks. To me, it's like the five of wands in the tarot. 
She goes on to say, when Mars is prominent in your chart, you have a go-getting personality with enormous energy and a rugged constitution. You tend to be enterprising, quick, and active. You hate to be ordered around. Depending on how you use Mars's force, you may be argumentative, quarrelsome, and reckless, and encounter a great deal of discord in your sex relationships. Sounds fun. <laughs> You may be a strong leader, adventurous and pioneering, but you may also be quick-tempered, brash, impulsive, and impatient. My Mars is in Scorpio. I won't keep reiterating what that means, but I did find it interesting that Joanna specifically said, you were always able to move an audience. Often you are attracted to professions or situations that contain an element of danger and death. <laughs> I do love BDSM, but damn, guys, do I hate heights. Oh, the questions for Mars. I forgot I was going to read those to you. Are your sexual relationships ardent, tempestuous, and quarrelsome? Do you lose your temper quickly, or do you simmer for a while and then explode? In conflict, do you display cold contempt or heated anger? Is your willpower strong or weak? Does competition bring out your fighting spirit? To learn more about your assertive power, you must study the position of Mars in your birth chart. Let's go ahead and read the questions that go along with Jupiter, since I'm about to go into Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of good luck, optimism, success, and generosity. Jupiter brings joy to life. And this is from Joanna Wolfolk's book. Are you a generous person? Do you seem to attract success through your close associations? Are you able to turn your ideas into profit? Does your luck work for you when you need it most? If you answer yes to these questions, Jupiter is, a, is well aspected in your horoscope. The position of Jupiter in your birth chart can indicate where your fortune opportunities are to be found. This benevolent planet shows where you have the most room to expand and the areas in which you will get the best out of life. Jupiter is my second favorite planet, and it is said to be an exaltation in the sign of Sagittarius. I personally think Saturn is just a little too beautiful, so it remains number one. But actually, Jupiter may be tied to Neptune for me. It's just so dreamy. But um. God, I've got to stop. <laughs> Jupiter is the planet of luck and expansion. She mentioned optimism, success, and generosity. It's pretty much all good things when this big guy comes to town. Very opposite of any stories of Zeus you might have heard. Don't worry, Jupiter is not going to necessarily impregnate you against your will unless it's good ideas. <laughs> If Venus makes life beautiful, then like Joanna says, Jupiter brings joy. I'm getting excited just talking about it. Science facts. Jupiter moves fucking quickly. It takes a little under 10 hours for this planet to make a day rotation compared to our 24. Actually, most of the big planets in the back we're pretty much tracking at very similar speeds. I think that's incredibly fast, though, considering that literally every planet could fit inside of Jupiter with room to spare. And in 1973, they discovered that Jupiter emits twice the amount of heat that it receives from the sun. Jupiter is basically a tiny star, if you think about it. I do want to take some time to read what Wolfolk has to say because it is super freaking cool. 
In astrology, the planet Jupiter is known as the greater fortune. Venus is the lesser fortune. Jupiter's kingdom is luck, health, and happiness, wealth and worldly goods, power and high position. It rules over knowledge, high learning, breadth of vision, and honesty. Its influence bestows a willingness to partake of life, to gather new experiences. The knowledge that Jupiter imparts is on a philosophical level as opposed to the day-to-day -day cleverness that Mercury confers. When Jupiter is prominent in your horoscope, guys, you are going to be lucky, popular, friendly, successful. I mean, it's not all roses. Too much Jupiter can be too much of a good thing. I mean, too much of anything can be too bad for you. But when it is too prominent in your horoscope, it can make you lazy extravagant, or blindly optimistic. But it's basically like being born a rich kid. Essentially, if you never have to work for anything, you are missing a huge opportunity to build character and moments of wisdom through struggle. I am definitely one to talk, seeing as my Jupiter is in Cancer, <laughs> which is a very auspicious sign for it to be in. I am very lucky um, what I take that to mean is that nothing will ever happen to me bad while I am on vacation. I am literally the luckiest traveler in the whole world. I don't want to brag, but daddy freaks out during two moments in time. One, while he's cooking a huge meal, I mean, get out of that kitchen, or when he's traveling, particularly internationally. And I've already mentioned my love to travel. I like to travel at least twice a year outside of 2020. And he gets so stressed. He will grab, he will just be freaking out. And I'll have to like grab his hand and just kind of like do the breathing with him. Like, don't worry, Jupiter and Cancer, baby. It's all going to be fine. And it is. I am so lucky. It is mad. Definitely something to look into and look where you're going to be luckiest because that is what you are going to fall in love with in your life. For me, I'm lucky while traveling. Guess what? I fucking love traveling. If you're lucky at work, you're probably that person who loves their job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jupiter is in my seventh house of relationships, so I have beautiful relationships. I feel like I'm bragging now, so let's move into Saturn. Now, this will make you happy, and this will definitely be the opposite of my future brag. Let's go ahead and read our questions about Saturn. Let's go into some science facts to lighten this the fuck up. <laughs> Although not the only planet with rings, it is the most famous for them and that's what makes it so gorgeous. When Voyager 2 flew by Saturn in 1981, it reported a cloud of gas circling the planet that is 300 times hotter than the sun's corona. It's actually the hottest spot detected in our solar system. Saturn is the planet of responsibility and symbolizes the ethic of hard work. Under its influence, a person's character is strengthened to, through trial and difficulty. It has been said that Saturn disciplines us until we can learn to discipline ourselves. I found a daddy. He'll discipline me for me. <laughs> Are you able to stick with a task until you have it completed? Do you at times feel beset by problems or see obstacles at every turn? Would other people call you stubborn? Have you sometimes felt lonely and depressed? Yes. 
If you answer yes, then you have felt the presence of Saturn in your life. This planet is named after the Roman Titan god, who is the father of Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto. Saturn was the symbol for father time, and he brought to an end all things that had a beginning. It is no surprise and this is me speaking, that this cantankerous planet rules Capricorn, the sign of social standing. I can talk shit about Capricorn because I'm a Capricorn ascendant, and so it is the ruler of my chart. (laughs) Saturn strengthens your character through responsibility, hard work, trial, and difficulties. It also, I think I've heard this before, that if you have Saturn prominently in your chart, you tend to have a harder childhood, but that it all kind of evens out. By the time you reach middle age, your life gets easier as you get older. You're very good with money, so that's probably where it comes from. I mean, obstacles and self-discipline. If you are self-disciplined, you will be successful. Woo! Joanna mentioned Saturn's known as Father Time. Time eats all things. That's where the bringing an end to all things that have a beginning comes from. It's death. It's the planet of self-control, limitation, diligence. These things craft patience, maturity, and stability in each of us. Capricorn is pretty far down the line, so it's, it's a symbol of an older part of life, being a little bit more mature. And if you're asking yourself now why Pisces doesn't fit that mold, it's because once you get sold, you revert back to being a baby. <laughs> Sorry, Pisces. But on Joanna calls Saturn the celestial taskmaker, for it teaches us the lessons we must learn in life. Similar to what I used to hear in church as a Christian child, Saturn will not give us more than we can bear. I mentioned my Saturn forward chart, since not only do I have Saturn in Capricorn, I have a lot of Capricorn listed in my chart. It's my ruler, and Uranus is the subruler. It makes for a very complicated relationship within myself, really. <laughs> You'll find out next. Back to my point. Saturn is basically delayed gratification. This is going to be the hardest thing ever for millennials. And this is kind of why I think of Saturn as like the first of generational planets. I know a lot of people think of Uranus as the first generational planet, but... Delayed gratification, and I'm pretty sure that at least 12 years of people have Saturn. So I think it's enough to call it. Wolfolk has one more line about Saturn than I want to read. In its symbolic form, Saturn is our destiny. It rules fate, the things we cannot escape, and the payment we must make for what we receive. Let's read some of the questions about Uranus. Do you often take an action that has no rhyme or reason? Are you attracted to an unusual line of work or to odd, colorful people? Do you feel that you are a more inventive thinker than those around you? Do you take an interest in modern science and the latest discoveries in the world? Are you known for your startling pronouncements or being an unusual character? A person who has a strong Uranus in his or her birth chart will answer yes to these questions. It's important for you to know that the sign of Uranus occupies in your horoscope in order to understand where your own originality and self-expression can best be utilized. It's the planet of change and originality, but I would say chaos even. This planet is associated with Aquarius, often called the visionary of the zodiac, which means this planet brings surprises, both good 
and bad. Remember when I said that Aquarius had bouts of good and bad health? Knock on wood, I have not gotten sick this year, but usually I get sick at least once or twice really, really badly throughout the year. And when I was younger, I actually got pneumonia every single year until I was like four and then bronchitis that turned into pneumonia sometimes until I was 13. But it would just come out of nowhere during a season change. Once again, off topic. This is the first of the modern planets. Since it wasn't discovered until 1781, Saturn used to be Aquarius's ruler, and you've really seen a change in the way that people perceive this sign since the discovery of the planet Uranus. Uranus was the Roman sky god and the first ruler of the universe. Woolfolk says, in astrology, Uranus is the planet of the future, associated with modern science, invention, electricity, humanitarian movements, and revolution. It is the planet of sudden upheaval and swift, unexpected happenings. Its domain is all that is new, original, different, and unorthodox. Uranus relates to your inner will and your secret power. So you can see how when Aquarius was thought to be ruled by Saturn, it was a little bit more curmudgeon -y. Okay, so take it back to what does it mean by a generational planet. In addition to having a personal meaning in your horoscope, Uranus is one of the three planets in astrology that are thought to have a generational influence just because they take so long to pass through each sign. That would be Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. They spend so long. Uranus takes seven years to transit one sign. Neptune spends 14 years in one sign. And Pluto takes from 13 to 32. Astrologers believe that these planets influence a whole generation as well as individuals. Uranus was first discovered at the time of the Industrial Revolution and the beginning of the modern age. The planet's journey through the zodiac corresponds with new discoveries of science. For example, between 1996 and 2003, Uranus traveled through the sign of Aquarius, the sign that it rules. Aquarius represents the airwaves, space, freedom of opinion, and far-flung communication. During Uranus's transit, the computer and microtechnology literally took charge of every aspect of our lives, how we communicate do business, file information. Indeed, the world is now run by the microchip, and scientists say the computer has changed the way humans think. Uranus is the ruler of the new age, age of Aquarius, and we'll talk about that later. Uranus brings change into our lives, new situations, and new people. Its gifts are always sudden and ephemeral. You have to take immediate advantage of them before they flash by. The message of Uranus is to move with change and not be afraid of the future. Let's start Neptune with some questions. Do you have an active fantasy life? Have you been told there is a hypnotic quality to your personality? Do you have compassion for the suffering of others? Are you interested in occult and psychic phenomena? I thought these were some of the best and sexiest questions yet. If you answer yes, then Neptune exerts a strong influence in your life. It does for me because Neptune is found in my first house. Don't worry, I keep saying we'll get to that, and we will. Neptune is the planet of illusion and mystery. Imagination is the word of the day, and this is the planet of bewitchment. Since Neptune is the Roman god of the sea, this planet rules Pisces. 
Pisces is strongly connected to hidden mysteries and spirituality. Its realm is the subconscious, hidden memory, intuition, clairvoyance. I would say that Neptune's power, though, is very subtle. Like water energy is a little bit more subtle than fire energy. And many astrologers say it brings the person in contact with higher consciousness. Since this planet is even more generational than Uranus, I thought that it would apply to more than just me. And Wolfuck comes to some pretty amazing historical conclusions. Because it moves so slowly through the zodiac, Neptune spends approximately 14 years in each sign. The year 1846, when Neptune was discovered, was a time of renewed interest in spiritualism. Hypnosis became a new medical treatment, and anesthetics were first introduced into general use. Ten years later, Sigmund Freud was born. 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 During his lifetime, Freud's theory of the unconscious and his new science of psychoanalysis psychoanalysis revolutionized the treatment of mental disorders and changed the very way that human beings look at themselves. Throughout the decades of the 60s, Neptune was in Scorpio. During this time, we saw the rise of the drug culture. <laughs> From the 70s until 84, Neptune transited Sagittarius. This was the interest in the so-called New Age topics, reincarnation, channeling, a quest for deeper meaning. We all know how philosophical Sagittarius is. While Neptune was in Capricorn between 1985 and 1999, drugs became an international trade and government rose and fell over issues of religion and ideology. Between 98 and 2012, Neptune journeys through Aquarius. A negative aspect of this transit may be a rise in anarchy, but also a more optimistic view and looking at brotherhood among the nations in kind of like a more altruistic world. And last but not least, Pluto. This planet might be the least understood scientifically and astrologically. It is thought of to be the planet of transformation and rebirth, and it rules Scorpio. I know science has gone back and forth over whether or not it counts as a planet, but for today's episode, we will assume yes. <laughs> Named after the Roman god of the underworld, Hades, it rules the subconscious mind. Here's a science fact. Pluto is 50 times further away than the sun, than Earth, yet the sun's brilliance is so great that noon... Science fact! Pluto is 50 times farther away from the sun than Earth, yet the sun's brilliance is so great that noon on Pluto is 600 times brighter than night here on Earth when the full moon is shining. I'm going to read from Joanna Wolfolk's book again because she knows the material hella better than myself. Pluto has a powerful generational influence and also a personal meaning in your chart. The planet governs the beginnings and ends of the phases in life. If your life has taken a dramatic shift, if for example you've worked hard for a goal only to see it destroyed or ended and an entirely new direction opened up, Pluto is likely to be prominent in your horoscope. People who have had to leave their homes behind to begin a new and foreign countries 
or those whose lives are irrevocably altered because of the death of a key figure are also under Pluto's influence. The Plutonian character has a deep need to dominate and control and will often rise to great heights. People who have brilliant careers in politics and government, in medical research and archaeology are under Pluto's influence. The planet governs the uncovering of secrets of the past in order to clear ground for the future. Pluto represents the highest and lowest of which humanity is capable. Some astrologers believe Pluto's power is too arcane and mysterious for us to understand. Each of the three modern planets has foreshadowed coming events of the era during which it was discovered. In the case of Pluto, the planet was discovered exactly three months after the great stock market crash set off the worldwide economic depression. The decade that followed saw the rise of gangsterism and criminal mobs that were a law unto themselves. During this decade, Adolf Hitler began his demonic rise, which ended by plunging the entire world into war. During the latter years of the 20th century, when Pluto transited Scorpio, the sign of sexuality, death, and rebirth, we witnessed the rise of the AIDS virus and genetic engineering. Because Pluto was discovered so recently, it is a lot easier to look back over history and try to find its power rather than rather than it is to look forward and try to ascertain where we are going. She does include a small blurb. Uh, right now we're in Pluto and Capricorn, and it's supposed to enter the sign of Aquarius in 2024. Pluto will bring an even greater emphasis to the humanitarian, freedom-loving qualities of Aquarius as we enter the age of Aquarius, and it should be a time of unimaginable scientific discovery and just future knowledge of where human beings are going. And now that you have a basic understanding of how each planet can affect your life, I want to add another layer. I want to talk about the ascendant. This is where the chart can really start to get interesting because you start layering the elements like the signs on the planets and we're going to be adding houses. This is where it gets deep. Your ascendant is determined by the time of your birth. It changes every two hours so it's important to get the time right. The Ascendant is essentially the sign coming up on the eastern horizon when you are born. That is why it's called your rising sign. This sign will be the sign of your first house. On every birth chart, it's a circle, and in the middle there is a cross with the midheaven marking your tenth house. That's the vertical line. And the horizontal line marking your Ascendant. Have you ever had someone tell you that you don't look like your sign, your sun sign? That's because your descendant determines some of your appearance. It's the mask you wear in public and also the way the outside world looks at you. Your ascendant is your first house, your house of self. That's why it's such a defining point in your chart because it sets what the other rulers of your houses are going to be. There are 12 houses, one for each sign, and each one represents a different facet within our lives. Your horoscope wheel is a map of these houses, and having a planet positioned within a house will also affect the nature of what happens in that house. 
Aries is the natural ruler of the first house, the house of the self. So if you don't know what time you were born, most charts will default the houses to their natural rulers. So it will essentially put Aries as your first house. I'm going to give you a list of the houses and their natural rulers because to me, this sign is a shorthand for what happens within that house. For example, the first house, the house of the self, is Aries. Aries is very physical. They are the body. The body is one of the larger aspects that makes up who we are. It's the part we can see. You can't see your mind or your soul as easily. This placement is really important because, like I said, I said, your ascendant changes and determines all of your other houses, and your ascendant house is you, yourself. The second house is your house of possessions. It's ruled by Taurus. Taurus loves to make a wealthy home, a house of pleasure and luxury. This materialistic sign certainly does love nice possessions and money. This house will give you insight into your relationship with money and perhaps might even give more detail into your earning potential and how responsible you are with money. The third house is the house of communication. It governs the way you think, speak, and write. Its ruler is Gemini, the chattiest sign ever. <laughs> this house isn't just about communication, though. It also relates to your family ties and your day-to-day -day comings and goings. Remember when we talked about Mercury and Mercury ruling day-to-day -day travel? That's because it's ruled by Gemini. It can indicate the kind of education you've had as well as your ability to learn. The fourth house of family and home is ruled by cancer. This is the first of the three mystical houses as it covers your home and your life, past, present, and future. Think of it kind of as the ghost of Christmas past and the way that it you bring things from your ancestors. It's the home you have now and the life you create for your progeny in the future. The fifth house is the house of creativity. Remember, the creative chakra is our sacral chakra, so this also ties in a lot with your sex life, and it's ruled by Leo. I'm with a Leo, so I can speak to the power of house rulership. This is how you express yourself creatively, art, music, holiday-type festivities, as well as your primal sexual nature. Children would also fall under this house's rule. And Daddy has three children. <laughs> We actually got him snipped so that he would have no more children. <laughs> Joanna Woolfolk says, In childhood, pets and playmates are part of this house, for it holds sway over all the things to which you intuitively give affection. This is the house of your heart. And Leo rules the heart. So that's very apropos. They are such romantics. I do love how in magic... And, you know, astrology chakras, they all tie in together so well. The sixth house is the house of health and wellness, ruled by Virgo. Virgo is extremely healthy, and this sign rules health. But let's think, like if Virgo were one of the love languages, it would be acts of service. This house is often called the house of service because of that. This is your need to feel useful in the world. It governs your relationship with your coworkers and people you meet and those types of relationships. Your boss, any subordinates you might have, the way you treat the janitor or the different hierarchies in your life. 
Next is the seventh house of relationships. Libra. Libra is the sign of partnership. This house governs marriage and marriage type relationships. It's not saying that you have to get married, but most people do enter a significant relationship of some kind in their life. I mean, if they haven't, do not date them. They're probably a psychopath. It's also related to relationships governed by contracts, legal contracts, politics, businesses, etc. Since this is the seventh sign, this is also where the polarities start. Your relationships are opposite of yourself. This is why Libra is the polarity to Aries. Aries is the house of yourself. Libra is the house of partnerships outside of yourself. The eighth house is the house of birth, death, and transformation. It is ruled by Scorpio, and this is the second mystical house. Wolfolk says, sometimes called the house of spiritual transformation, it rules the life force that surrounds sex, birth, death, and the afterlife. It concerns legacies and what you inherit from the dead, both materially and spiritually. This is why connection to my ancestors is so important for me. I mean, think of all the things that I could be learning and could know. Let's get that ancestor communication going. Psychic powers and occult studies reside here in good company. Ninth house, the ninth house is the house of intellectual learning, ruled by Sagittarius. We all know how philosophical this sign is. They are the sign of freedom and the traveler sign. This house rules travel far from home. Its polarity is going to be the third house, the house of communication, and it's essentially an expansion of that house. It's an expansion from the day-to-day -day travel that you might do from work to home to school and it extrapolates it out to foreign travel. It rules the house of education, higher education, philosophy, and the study of other languages. The 10th house, the house of career, is ruled by Capricorn, the sign of public standing. <laughs> no way! I know you're fucking shocked. This house is opposite of the home. This is your profession, your reputation, your status in the community. This house reflects your potential for power, prestige, and honor. Joanna, if I can call her that, says, It is an outward expression of your talents, the way you accept responsibility, the place you arrive at through your own efforts. This house has a great influence on your material success in life. The 11th house. This is your house of friends, hopes, and wishes. Aquarius is the humanitarian sign. It's the polarity. If its polarity is house 5, which deals with the immediate and physical pleasure, sex, this house deals with long-term planning and goals. Instead of the way you care for your family, this is the way you care for the world, humanity at large, and your acquaintances. It's the house of idealism and vision. Why do you think that I've been blabbering about Aquarius frequently being called a visionary? I do wonder if there are more seers who are Aquarius than any other sign. Please let me know. If you know of anyone who's a seer, let me know their sign. I'm very interested. I would love to be able to have visions. I've never had one. Not like that. Moving into the last house. This is the 12th house, the house of secrets, 
sorrows, and undoing. Sorry, Pisces, that is a straight-up definition description of you. (laughs) Boom! Roasted! (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I kid. I kid. The sign I dislike most is Sagittarius. (laughs) But I do, I just like to poke a little fun at Pisces because I have one living with me. Um, Daddy's eldest son is a Pisces. We get along great. I just love to poke at him. No shade. I do not mean to roast any of the signs. They're all wonderful and they all have the right qualities. I just like to joke. But the 12th house is the most mystical of all the houses. Pisces is an old soul. They carry a little bit of all the signs with them. This is the end of the cycle. It's not a bad thing. I know a lot of people cry and wring their hands over this, but it's a very powerful place. Death carries a tremendous amount of energy, and it's necessary to create new life. This house governs disappointments, accidents, trouble, and self-defeat. If you think about it in the span of the life cycle that I was talking to you about earlier, you know, a Capricorn being right before... Right at the beginning of the last third represents a person going into that final mature stage in their life. And when you're, when you're an older person approaching death, you kind of almost become like a little baby again. And I think that's why Pisces is both very wise and yet very immature all at the same time. I'm going to read a segment from the book because I think it's so poetic. Wolfolk says, The 12th house rules unseen forces, secret enemies, escapism, asylums, hospitals, and prisons. The 12th house has been called the house of karma, the house of spiritual debt, for it contains the rewards and punishments for the deeds one commits in this world. It's associated with psychic powers and the ability to discover at last the meaning of life. I think that so aptly balances the death and the life aspect of that house. Yes, I've been broken up with. Yes, I've been devastated. And it's not that it's all been smooth sailing. But ultimately, I find great power and success when I'm in a relationship. Or if there's maybe an aspect that you would like me to mention more, please reach out to me, message me. There will be a link on the description page. And again, you can email me at halloqueenpodcast at gmail.com. I think this is a great place to stop and get into the shadow activity. You know where I'm going with this. I want you to create your own chart. This luckily is one of the ones that I had already done. But this will be the first step for you interpreting your chart and knowing more about yourself and the way the your signs and your planets have played out in your life will give you a better chance to interpret other people's houses. If you want to get the book, she uses Oprah's chart as an example and she goes over not only how to create your chart but how to interpret it and shows you how to do it yourself. Just remember that the planets are the forces that act. The signs represent how they will act. And the houses will represent where in your life the planets will act. You know? So for me, I have Pluto in my 10th house of career. That to me means that I will probably have a couple times in my life where I just totally cut ties and switch careers. This kind of happened to me 
in my last job, I went from selling medical supplies to now I'm recruiting physicians. Not the same market at all. And it was very abrupt. That, to me, very Pluto-ish. It was a very tough transition for me, especially in the beginning. So you might still be wondering, okay, you've given me all this information, but how can I make my chart? Well, how do I start? Well, to begin, start by drawing a circle and separate it into 12 pie pieces because these are going to be each of the houses. You know, mark the midpoint between the horizontal and vertical pieces and go ahead and make that first house to the left, the one right beneath your horizontal line, make that your first house and then number them, number them counterclockwise so that the 12th house will be the house on the left right above the line of zero if this were a chart. Before you draw on the actual chart, I would actually, well, number your houses and put in your planets and signs. Then I make a separate table where I could list the planets, what sign it's in, and a third column denoting what house it's in. And this is where you're going to get the written version of what you're interpreting. I mentioned that Wolfolk uses Oprah Winfrey's chart as an example in the book. I'll kind of read you what's in her first row to kind of give you an idea of what to write. So Oprah's son is in Aquarius. So in this one, I would put the sun in the first column for the planet, and then Aquarius is in the second column, and I'll write down a few keywords about Aquarius, intellectual, independent, friendly, humanitarian, etc. Then the sun is found in Oprah's second house. So in the third column, I'm going to look up what it means to have the sun in your second house, and I'm going to write down the second house, house of possessions, I would, in Aquarius, I would write need security. Money comes and goes easily because it's ruled by Uranus. Gains prominence through influential people. Possessions increase in value. Strong, persistent, possessive. It will definitely take some time. I think it took me over an hour to create my chart. But this will give you all of the aspects of your chart so that you have it later to look at. I like to highlight some of the themes that are repeated throughout you know, if I have a lot of Capricorn or Scorpio in my chart, you know, I might see things like jealousy or possessiveness. And I know that those are areas in my life where I'm going to have to work. You should also take some time. Look at whether your chart is more masculine or feminine. Are there any elements that stand out from the rest? I know that my chart is almost completely feminine. And then there's a lot of earth and water. You know, check the qualities of the sign with the planets. Are they mostly cardinal? Are they mutable? Are they fixed? I have a mixture of cardinal and fixed signs, mostly. Please let me know what you think. Let me know if you'd like a part two talking about planets and their dominion, mutual reception, the head and tail of your dragon. We could look at major aspects and what it means by conjunction, trine, opposition, sextile, square. There's a lot that we could go into, and I, I really do love this topic. So I would love to do some personal chart readings with other people. I've never done that before, but if you would love to have that done, please email me halloqueenpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to be going into numerology, which you can use 
oh God, at first I just thought it was your life purpose, but you can find so many different themes and numbers. I'm so excited to go and look at it with you. It's something that's kind of new for me, so I wouldn't say I'm as versed in numerology as I am in astrology, but I love the numbers. I've been using it when I pull tarot. That also fits in really well with astrology. Oh, actually... I can hear daddy running my bath now, so I think I need to go. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging out with me. I will catch you on the flip side. Goodbye.